to run That old familiar feeling Trapped and haunted The noose around my neck Regrets Greetings and welcome to Inside Baseball with Old Chestnut. I'm Liam Allen with Morris Sachs. How you doing, MB? Never miss a Sunday show. Here we are, my friend. Another action-packed week in the stock market. Um, a, slight, a slight aside, um, it's come to my attention that some of our listeners are fast-forwarding through the opening set by Fish and it's jumping OB. right into the... I, I, I understand. My my wife, yeah. I I play it for like five people. Ed, EG, you, <laughs> Travis. Yeah. But Everybody I, else can sit you know, and suffer. Well, I know, but it's free. So it's I, fair. I think what we need to do is, you know how they one of those things like you go to YouTube and you hit, you know, play and it'll be like, <laughs> your video will be shown after <laughs> this <laughs> short ad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, I had a good week. How about you? Wonderful. One of yeah. The, uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm down at the beach with my daughter. Uh, every day we've gone to the beach, the pool, into town, um, and it's just been fantastic. That's awesome. I mean, I Florida. can see the, Florida. The, green, the green in the sun coming yeah. through your window there. It's sensational. Yeah. We uh, just sent uh, Tom and Jen packing. Uh, right after breakfast this morning, and nice. now we have a little bit of a break uh, with uh, no guests, so it's just going to be me and Cheryl bouncing around in this big house. Um, Lovely. So we'll, we'll figure something to do. I did uh, make a clot of myself. I went to take out my wallet to to pay for breakfast, and then Tom said they wanted to treat us. And if, putting my wallet away, I dropped it on the floor. Picking it up, I knocked the uh, maple syrup container in my lap, and yeah, so, bada boom. <laughs> Did you get the Porsche fixed? Eleven hundred dollars, and uh, they're going to do it when I uh, when we come back to Connecticut for a little, <laughs> little period of time. So, um, I took uh, Jenna mountain biking because um, she's a really good road rider, and uh, uh, oh man, she crushed it. Uh, she just she's just gifted at this thing, and. So she was riding my Leadville bike, and um, uh, Tom was like, "You know, you know what that means." I said, "Yeah, you're going to be out thirteen hundred dollars or thirteen thousand dollars." <laughs> and you know, he kind of mm. you could tell. And I said, mm-hmm. "And by the way, there's this thing called the bottom bracket, and in there on the bike you rode, we have ceramic ball bearings." Mm-hmm. And and Jen's like, well, why why would you do that? And I I look at Cheryl and I said, is there anything really harder than ceramic carbon? And she says, well, not really. I said, they're they're stronger than steel, yeah. And she said, yeah. I said to Jen, well, that's a four hundred dollar upgrade you're you're going to need. <laughs> I said, the only reason I stopped with ceramic bearings is because I couldn't get them to put diamonds in there. <laughs> 
It's coming. <laughs> uh, not on my watch, man. Not ah, on my watch. Please. But, uh, I crashed again. Are you okay? Mountain bike? Yeah, I'm fine. Yeah. No, this, this was... So uh, I bought a gravel bike, you know, just because... Mm-hmm. I was Everyone else did. I was one day, and mm-hmm. uh, well, I already had one. And uh, Kale Son Hudson's this energizing seventeen-year-old kid, and, and uh, he's going through the thing. I mean, he's just so fucking enthusiastic about the thing. I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, fired okay. up, mm-hmm. yeah. But uh, I was riding just around the neighborhood here because uh, Cheryl and Jen went for a hike, and Tom was relaxing. For for people um, that don't know, a gravel bike is is a drop bar. It looks like a road bike with knobby tires. All right. And the intention is you ride it on dirt roads or gravel roads. Um, but it's an all purpose, somewhat clumsy, but but fun bike. It's a good all around bike. But you can spend just as much on that as any of these others. Yeah, of course. But I rode over to the part of the neighborhood where they're building a new house that is the same dimensions as mine, but I saw what they were asking for, you know, the asking price. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to go back and look at the name of the builder. Mm-hmm. And so I ride up there, and uh, I'm turning around in a circle, and it had rained the night before here, and I don't know whether it was the oil coming up or but, uh, you know, I just went down and uh, uh, just a little road rash. I'm glad I didn't land on my elbow. So I didn't Would you wash the front wheel? You washed the front yeah, wheel exactly. washed out? Exactly. Ah, oh, it's such a terrible feeling. Good in your helmet. <laughs> Plus, I have the uh, embarrassment of having road rash on my left and right side. The good so, news is, uh, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say, I was waiting for the good news. You said you had a great week so far. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. Way to rain on my parade. Tell um, me about the house that they're putting up for sale. What, what, this, you were surprised by the number they were asking for? Yes. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So it's the same number same number of bedrooms, same number of bathrooms, same square foot. Um, slightly different location. And one may argue that location might be viewed as a premium location, but generally after people live here a while, they realize that, you know, where we're at's a little better, but mm-hmm. in any event, I mean they're they were asking almost double what ours traded for. So wow. I'm kind of curious what happens with that thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but we were trying to seduce our friends to move here, and I think we did a pretty good job with with Jen and Tom because you know the mountain biking out here is great, and, and sure, yeah, the blue skies and and stuff like that. Um, I guess the the reason for the good week is I managed to. Um, uh, grab some spots for the Leadville stage race. And so I'm kind of putting the team together for that. And, uh, oh, and Monday, uh, I had the, uh, I sent you a picture. We had, I had a local buckle dinner. So everyone who I knew locally that, uh, has received a buckle from Leadville, either the Leadville 100 or the stage race was invited. And I think, uh, invited 12 and 10 came, of course, Liam and Nate, if they were in town, would have been there. Just, just for sake of argument, to let people know your tenacity. Okay, you rode in the Leadville 100, and inside of a mile from the start, somebody jumped out to take a picture, knocked you off your bike, and, and broke your derailleur. 
lost my granny gear. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But other than that, yeah. Mrs. Lincoln. Yeah. 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 Oh. Let me ask you a question. Out of those 10 guys, did I see a a big, big buckle, which is 10 buckles? No, you saw, I don't think so. Proportionally. I, I think, I think, okay. Yeah. I think you saw a number of big buckles of the under nine hours. Amazing. There was a preponderance of those. Uh, Hudson, the 17-year-old, the he did the stage race in under eight hours. Incredible. And uh, yeah, that I just. Good for that kid. Yeah. But speaking of granny gear, um, <laughs> Big Ed <laughs> sent us a little um, press release. And instead of trying to be Mr. Technology, I thought I would print the thing out. And that way I couldn't fuck it up too bad. But um, one thing uh, I was talking to one of our viewers who's, who's uh, brutally honest with me was, you know, like, if you're going to puss on people, don't pick the same person every week. And so I thought today we would pass on uh, Kathy Wood and Dave Rosenberg. Preview of coming attractions. We'll be back after this commercial <laughs> message from our sponsors that will soon to be leaving us. <laughs> That's all right. We'll be okay. So uh, I'm reading this from Bloomberg News, December 9th, 2021. Kathy Wood says, ARC soul-searching as once stellar fund lag. Okay. So, uh, quote, I've never been in a market that is up, has appreciated, and our strategies are down, quote, Wood said in a Thursday interview with Bloomberg Television. That has never happened before. Uh, when we go through a period like this, which she just said has never happened before, uh, when we go through a period like this, of course, we're going through soul-searching, saying, are we missing something? And she added in that response, ARC has doubled down on its research and modeling. Okay. Now, um, pull up a chair. Uh, you know, there's just so much wrong with this. First of all, never, never. You have, you have taught me to avoid those superlatives. Best, always, never. Exactly. <laughs> she, she, so that was the first thing. I, never. Yeah. I saw the word yeah. never yeah. and I cringed never. immediately. So um, I now have the second worst name for uh, a fund, ARC. Because shame on me. ARC, do you know where the ARC comes from? I'm familiar with the Bible. The Covenant of the Ark. The Ark of the Covenant. Ark of the Covenant. As in Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark. The, the, the worst hedge fund name I ever heard of, which I think has, has been a successful fund, but it's the Tusca Fund. I don't know. Okay. Just so you know, as an as a opera dilettante, Tusca, my favorite opera, it ends with the heroine Tusca jumping <laughs> off of the building to her death. <laughs> sure, take my money. Please email us other equally bad hedge funds names because there's some real. There's a there's a long list. Okay, <laughs> you know, that's we, the top. Those are, that's the crown jewel for you. <laughs> one of the very first uh, public um, appearances or notices of me in the public was when uh, E.G. and Rob started Five Fifteen. 
and somehow somebody called me and they're like, how'd you come up with that name? And I'm like, well, we like the who, we like the song. And, and what am I going to do? Come up with another <laughs> name for the Greek God of money. I mean, come on. Yep. <laughs> These names are ridiculous. Let's get back to Ms. Wood here, if we may, mm-hmm. because they're, you know, aside from the thing, I think it's kind of dopey. I, I do think there's some things we can learn here. Um, so, uh, Memory fades, but I believe in our travels, I have said she's putting the stock prices up on herself. As money's coming into the fund, she's buying more of the same thing. Okay. So what has happened here is she's been in a bull market and she has gotten a couple of stocks really right. And um, what happens is they push the value of the portfolio up. And um, so the performance looks good, and the performance looks good as long as things are going up, right? So what I did, having access to a Bloomberg, uh, I went and I looked at what uh, ARC's holdings were as of uh, December 10th. And once again, these are from sources believed to be reliable but cannot be guaranteed. So um, let me see if I get this in the right order. So her second largest holding is this thing called Roku. Um, She owns 3.7% of the company. Not of her portfolio, but of the company. Mm -hmm. Roku has a price-earnings ratio of 113. Seems pretty high. And basically, you know, I'm a... Uh, a Luddite, but Roku, that's the thing that records television shows pretty much, right? Uh, it's a its a platform. If you get Roku, you can watch all your stuff through it, okay? Oh, nice. Kind of yeah. like, like my Apple TV thing? Bingo. Same thing. But okay. like Roku makes a dollar. Let's call it that. Okay. Well, they make, so they got a PE of 113. Pretty and just good. for the record, J.P. Morgan Chase's PE is 10. Please don't confuse me with the facts. So continuing down this uh, list, um, Roku is her her sixth, excuse me, her second largest holding. Her third largest holding is Teladoc. Teladoc, she owns roughly 6.5% of that company. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, Daniel Simpson Day has no great point. I think it's, it gets better. <laughs> There's no PE. How can there be a PE when you have no E? It's amazing. Okay. Yeah. Um, may I continue? Please. Okay. Um, I'm just really impressed I took the time to prepare these, sort of. Uh, okay, let's see. What else we got? Exact sciences. Don't know what they do. She owns 4.62% of the company. That's 4% of her uh, uh, portfolio. Again, uh, NOL, not op- net operating loss. Let's see what else we got here. Uh, in- Intelia Therapeutics. Okay. Does that sound like a company? Sure. She owns yeah. 6.55% of that. Once again, no grade point average. Yeah, she was buying more uh, of it on Friday. 
and and I wrote these last two things down, and they're probably maybe they're okay investments, but one of them is Iridium and Pager Duty. Okay, I didn't bother okay. looking. So Pager Duty, she owns eight percent of. Okay, so <laughs> I mean, do Amazing. people use pagers? <laughs> How about Blade? How about Blade? The uh, airport company or the helicopter? Yeah, Airmo. Yeah, they got. She was buying that on Friday too. Yeah, she's sniffing around that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. If we airport. could go back to if we could go back to Iridium for a second because uh-huh. I have a little Absolutely. firsthand knowledge. So it had to be something in the late nineties, okay? Because Iridium was uh, they just sent those satellites up. And people were walking around with these massive phones. Like, remember the one on Wall Street? Yeah, of course. He, okay, yeah. it was bigger than that. Okay. But the, the beauty was, like, you could make a phone call from anywhere in the world. And occasionally one, you know, one needs to do that. Anyway, oddly enough, Iridium went bankrupt. And they had a $100 million bond issue outstanding that somebody owned they needed to sell. So came down to me and my business partner at the time. And, you know, we're getting this song and dance about, uh, you know, the government needs it and yada, yada, yada. And, uh, you know, trying to get us to buy these bonds. And, um, well, we didn't. And I think that was just cascading failure. Um, anyway, let's, let's just kind of go back to, instead of just making fun of these choices, let's just talk about what, what's going on. You know, you have, Coinbase, this, this fund that owns huge percentages of these companies. And re- remember, you know, for somebody to own 5% of a publicly traded stock, it's two things. One is when you're buying it, you're putting it up on yourself. And when you stop buying it, if they start to drift lower on their own, you're wrong. Right. And, uh, so if this were me and I was a stock guy, I would go through her portfolio. And the first time I started to see the market really start to slide, I would beat the living shit out of these stocks. Because I know she's going to have to sell. I mean, so, you didn't even go through some of the other ones. Like, I mean, she's got Tesla, Coinbase, Zoom, Shopify. Square. She's got eight percent of CRISPR. I know that's like gene splicing something or other. Dude, I, mean, I don't live under a rock. I, you know, I'm I'm no dope when it comes to a lot of stuff. Like my wife, you're quite a dope, dope judge. <laughs> don't sell sorry. yourself. Don't sell myself short. But like, I, I mean, I. Yeah. As far as like brand recognition, could you tell me what Exact Sciences does? I couldn't tell you what Twilio does. I couldn't tell you what. Intelliotherapy, beam therapeutics, Palantir is. I mean, Palantir is a whole nother story, dude. She owns DraftKings, DraftKings, Robinhood, Ginkgo Bioworks, dude. Read about Ginkgo Bioworks. I mean, if you could spend hours a day reading about. So we're getting down into the thick of it now. Ten X Genomics, DocuSign, Twist, Too Simple, Pager Duty. This is doesn't. I mean, this is a, a portfolio which with all due respect, is up 485% or whatever in five years. Let's call it that, you know? Yeah, okay, so let's keep that in mind. And um, I did some chumming on the internet, 
you know, legitimate stuff. No, no, don't look at me sideways. So uh, the theme of today that I, I try to have a theme of these things is basically don't give other people your money. If you, if you can't stand sticking it in the bank, you know, do the 13 stock thing like Liam did. Or if you don't want to do the 13 stocks, buy the, the S&Ps or SPYs. Okay, so once again, I'm not going to mention this uh, hedge fund manager's name, okay? But I went to their, not he, him, her, is it, their website. Okay, these are the results. 2014, up 40%. Pretty good. 2015, down 20%. 2016, down 13%. 2017, down 4%. 2018, down 7 tenths of a percent. In 2019, up 58. 2020, up 70. And through December 7th, they're up 26.7%. Okay. So about a year ago, uh, Big Ed and I were chatting about this. And um, once again, I'm not making, I'm not guaranteeing these calculations, but I sat on and I said, what if you took a million bucks and you gave it to this fund manager? And what if you took a million bucks and put it in the, the SPY ETF? But what I did was I adjusted it for taxes. So the year this person made 40%, I treated it as basically ordinary income. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then the next year when they lost 20%, right, I limited that to the $3,000 loss. Okay. And I did that for every year. I counted, you know, the, the expenses and the distributions. And once again, I think this was through 2020, but at the end of 2020, I assumed I sold the SPY and paid long-term capital gains on that. And what happened was over that period of time, this manager, okay, world-class manager beat the S&P 500 by 100 basis points. So you had seven years of massive volatility, okay, number one. Number two, you got a whole hundred basis points, okay? In return, you have the idiosyncratic risk that the person goes loco, right? Um, and in the meantime, Duke and Duke get the commissions because every year, win, lose, or draw, they get 2% fees. Even if they're down, they get the 2%. It's beautiful. Yeah, it's okay. beautiful. So if you look at the big hedge fund managers, and, and I won't go through their names because what's the point? But they're all pretty much the same. With very few exceptions, they got to be billionaires because they managed other people's money, not because they you know, took their own capital and rubbed two sticks together and made a billion dollars. And so, 
you know, um, that fellow in London we like, Anthony, uh, does the the really good newsletter. He and I were going to write an article, and I I, th- I don't remember. I think we he kind of cobbled something together, but it basically went like this: If you're going to give money to hedge funds, you can't give it to one fund, right? Because what if it's Madoff? Okay, or what if it's you know dopey, and they lose all the money, right? Mm-hmm. So you need, you need to diversify. Now you're kind of in my ballpark of thinking about things as statistical noise or random events, right? So just imagine this: you're flipping coins, and um, before you flip a coin, you give up two percent, and then when you win, you get 80%. And when you lose, you get 100%. Imagine. Now yep. you aggregate. Let's just take a small number, which is too small, but let's say it's five. Because I think to, to have diversification, you're going to need at least 10. But let's just say five. Okay. I, I don't see in a random process that this thing is going to yield you a positive result. It's going to yield you a positive result for the managers, right? And um, there was this gig going on. I think it probably still is. They're called fund of funds Have you heard of this thing? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Go on. Well, How do you really feel? <laughs> this fund of fund things is mm-hmm. the biggest scam. <laughs> Thank Here, you. Kids, kids, put the muffs on. This thing's the biggest scam since somebody convinced somebody that BJs weren't sex. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. We can edit that out and post. No, no. It's so part the of fun, history. <laughs> the fun to fun guys go around and they meet the hedge fund managers. Okay. Then they go and suggest to their clients which hedge funds to manage. And they take a fee on top of the fee. And let me tell you, I mean, apparently by default, I hold myself at a higher level, but these were some of the stupidest people. <laughs> and you know, it's like, who's the dope mm-hmm. the dope or the dope given the dope money. I mean, I don't, I don't fucking get it. I don't get it now. Um, so I love uh, that, that SPY stat. I mean, you just, it's, it's so simple. I mean, it's, I mean, uh, I don't know. So I guess it's, it, just to respond to, to um, what a possible pushback against me could be is, it's like, okay, I'm 61. You know, if you're so smart, why aren't you rich? Yeah, well, you know, blah 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 blah. Okay, well, that's fair. Okay, I think that's a fair point, and I would like to speak to that. Okay, F- first of all, through one way or another, I figured out 15 years ago, I wasn't going to be the smartest guy. I wasn't going to be the richest guy. I wasn't going to have, you know, the bestest. I was just going to have to be who I was going to be. And I also realized life is finite. And, you know, I didn't want the end of my life to be defined by what kind of pile of money I had. It just seemed kind of silly. And um, die, die getting a quote, you know? <laughs> so I was at this inflection point and I went and saw my friend, Ben Carpenter, who was president. Did I tell you this story? So I went to Ben and I'm like, you know, I'm 
not sure whether I should keep working or, you know, I could trade at home. I'm pretty calm. I'd trade at home for a while. I could make some money. What do you think? And, and he's always been a very good sounding board for me because he had, has had significant health issues from the time he was in his thirties. And so he's always told me he has a very short term view of life. And he said, well, imagine your, your funeral and they're giving a eulogy. And one eulogy is Morris Sachs was the best trader I ever saw for 20 years. And another eulogy was Morris Sachs was the best trader I ever saw for 30 years. How would you feel about that? And I said, well, I, I'd feel like if, I, if it was 30 years, I'd feel like I, I wasted 10 years, right? So I was kind of struggling with, you know, this is what you've been doing your whole life. And, and um, you know, you just kind of know what you know. Um, and what so happened was I went on a cycling trip with Big Ed uh, and uh, uh, Joao from uh, Gimbal's Ride, a.k.a. Little John. And um, we were in this little Italian village. And, uh, you know, it was it was nice, you know, very nice setup. And uh, some of the guests were really good people that I've stayed in contact with and some not so much, but uh, you get that with cyclists. But a New York Times article came out, which, by the way, I did send to you. I don't know if you had a chance to read it yet. But it's a story about this woman named Ina Drew. And Ina Drew had a job very similar to what I had, which was some combination of managing traders, risk officer, that sort of thing. And the story talked about how talented Ina Drew is um, and how when this situation blew up, it was sort of questionable how much of it was her fault, but she took the fall for the thing. And now I had never met Ms. Drew, okay, but I had heard nothing but good things. Now, what was the thing that blew up? What blew this up? This guy called, I think it was a guy, a London whale. Mm -hmm. Oddly enough, he would put trades on, and he would put them so big, he would push the price up on himself and then get things marked in his favor. Huh. Imagine that. Huh. What are the odds? When was this? How long ago? A tale as old as time, someone said. <laughs> 2011, 2012. Oh. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. So anyway, I'm uh, in Italy drinking wine, eating pasta, thinking about the market, figuring things out. And I'm like, you know what? You survived 1987. You survived Orange County. You survived uh, long-term capital, right? You, you survived the dot-com. You survived 2001. You beat the global financial crisis, right? I'm like, you know, they got Ina Drew. What, mm. chance, what chance do I have? And so that was kind of like the last little push because to me it was very important to end my career in a good way. And having seen a number of bosses just sit at the top of the pyramid taking in money until they screwed up or the younger people ganged up on them and forced them out, I, I kind of wanted to go out, if not the high, kind of like at least on a plus tick. And so that's when I, you know, kind of told the guys that, you know, this is going to pretty much be it for me. Um, 
so, uh, you know, um, we're not talking about, you know, I'm sure uh, Kathy Wood is uh, older than me. She's in her six, late, mid to late 60s. And uh, this other hedge fund manager with the volatile earnings is a bit younger. But, you know, I don't know. It's like it's a young person's game at some point. And um, it doesn't mean my comments, uh, while critical, aren't right. Um, I just think having been, and I love this word, I hope I pronounce it right, because I know some people are very particular about my, uh, my, what's the word? Pronunciation. Uh, yeah. Okay. A denizen. Den, a denizen? That's a person who's like inside. Okay. So as a, as a denizen of Wall Street for 40 years, I've seen a lot of stuff. And, you know, I'm, I'm, by my nature, I'm happy to cry bullshit on things. And that's why when I see something like we've seen with this ARC fund, you know, there's a number of things that I just think are wrong. One is pushing the price up on themselves. Open a new fund, buy more of the same. Open another fund, buy more of the same. Now we're going to buy a levered fund. We're going to create a levered fund, right? We're going to lever a highly volatile fund. And I think I said last week, you know, her whole thing about, well, we don't carry cash. We own liquid technology shares. Yeah, okay. You know, I just, I just think that's sort of, sort of asking for trouble. Yeah. I enjoyed it. I mean, like I said, I, I mean, but I, but I was down here. We, we had this conversation when I had had enough of that back in March or February. Um, and I had had a good year-long run, two or three years, where she was just it was fantastic, best thing since sliced bread. Um, and then you know, it started to turn a little left. Like she's like she's got a big chunk of Coinbase, man. Um, awesome. No, it's not. <laughs> Dude, please stop. Ever since I bought back in, now I'm guilt by association with all the cryptos, and it's just like. Ah, uh, when 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 Bitcoin went below fifty thousand, everyone was like, "See, we told you, we 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 told you Tether was a fraud." Everyone <laughs> takes it seriously now. It's like oh, nobody yeah, listened to the show for the last forty weeks. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. So, uh, so like I said, Tom and Jen were here, and we we went out to dinner with them and uh, our friend Mike and Holly mm -hmm. to a local mm -hmm. Scottsdale place. And so they were taking drink orders, and uh, Mike says, what kind of beer do y'all have? And and they mentioned two or three, and, you know, they were IPAs. And, mm -hmm, and he mm -hmm. says, you got anything else? And I don't know what they had. Maybe it was a Corona mm -hmm. or something. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I said, uh, let me ask you something. What is it with you and Canadians and IPA? And he said, what do you mean? I said, well, you know, I kind of tell him the story, and uh, he just basically said they don't have any up there. So mm, I guess that's, that's uh... should we move on to uh, David Rosenberg? Let's go. <laughs> um, so uh, this is a show and tell. Which I tuned uh, him out, though, for the record. I was instructed to tune him out, so you, I stopped you, listening. You did, but this is a pick on somebody new show. Okay. I and, love it. Um, I know that, uh, you know, you both – both you and I are very busy on the tour, doing the show, going from town to town, packing up. It's hard to stay on top of things. But I, 
uh, took the liberty, and, and this might actually, I'll say me, but get us sued. Uh, I posted three little Dave Rosenberg things, and they're up on the Inside Baseball, IBWOC.com. Did I get that right? Okay. So there's three slides. They're dated December 12th. And um, I don't know if you want to bring that up and look along with me. But the first one is this thing from Rosenberg Research. That's his equity model. Okay. And right now, his model is showing zero, meaning you should be as underweight equities as you can possibly be. Okay. Zero. 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 Right? You with me? You see the thing? You got red, yellow, green. You, did you find it? Yeah, I, I, just, I had to make sure I was looking at the, it was correct. <laughs> okay. So all the way on the right side, it says end of March 2020. And that was where you were supposed to be most overweight. Right? Okay. So December 3, 2021, most underweight. March 2020, most overweight. So now you go up to the next slide, and I have a copy of his newsletter from March 23 of 2020. And I've, I've um, uh, circled the box, which said the problem for the stock market, quote, rent these rallies, don't own them. Okay. All right. So cry bullshit <laughs> on that. Is that fair? That's fair. I mean, rent these rallies. It, does it say back up the fucking truck? Our our shagalizer says Max Long. Buy them both both hands. No zero zero. Says, uh, okay, so there we go. There's that. And then finally, um, remember, he said be at zero, right? Okay. So if you go to the third slide, December twenty ninth, the year of our Lord twenty twenty. This may well be the most speculative market on record, at least on par with the late 1920s. I'm not exactly sure, but I think between December 29, 2020, and today, the stock market's up 20%. Okay. Now, this guy's claim to fame is he called the global financial crisis. Okay. For round numbers, call that 2007. 2021, 2007, that's 14 years ago. A lifetime. Okay. So anyway, and that's all I got to say <laughs> about that. Oh, Lord. What's the beauty of it? it? I mean, well, at least we've been consistent on the show. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, I, I'd like to say that, you know, the call on the market, my call on the market has been wrong. Um, but I'd like to think, and, and please correct me, uh, you have no real difficulty pushing back, but I think I've always tried to make the point you have to invest for your requirements are, right? Exactly. Is that so fair to say? 100%. So, so to speak generally about it in broad terms is is comical. Like for you, it's been bad. For me, it's been fantastic. For anyone that's owned Apple, or SPY, or like what we've told people to do from the beginning. Um, 
is have a good foundation and put whatever percentage of you know your wealth into it. But when you get cute and complicated, it's just it's just a recipe for looking down the barrel of a of a bad percentage down. Um, I, I think it. I think is people accumulate wealth, which takes takes some time. And the 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 years and years and years ago, there was a book called The Millionaire Next Door. And so, of course, don't get I, me started. Okay, right. go ahead, finish. No, no, no. you finish. Okay, no, well, no, 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 no. Go ahead, you finish, please. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no. Here's the book. Work your ass off. Don't spend any money. You're gonna die with a million bucks. Boom. I just saved you twenty nine ninety nine. Okay. Well, awesome. How's that gonna go? Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But the idea is, if you're fortunate enough to make enough money to start to save a little bit just try and you know rub two sticks together and let the let the amount build and when you get enough money that it matters you're not supposed to get the broker from duty dewey cheatham and how you're supposed to find a way to get to one of the reasonably sized investment banks find a wealth manager the reason is that you know how like Sachs's rule of wealth accumulation, don't pay ta- avoid paying taxes and don't get divorced. Mm-hmm. Well, you know those you can figure out on your own sorta, but over time these people know ways to use the trusts and estates, the tax planning, ways to minimize. Or avoid taxes, but when you got twenty five thousand bucks, there's nothing, there's nothing for you to do except save it in case you lose your job or somebody gets sick, right? When you when you get into bigger numbers, that's when these people, I think, really differentiate differentiate themselves. And uh, other than that, you know, like whether you uh, give it to this coconut. Kathy, or you buy the Vanguard, you know, uh, 2035 target retirement fund, mm-hmm. they do not get the sharpest tools running these funds. So our, our, our snowboard fish fan friend, right? He was at one of these funds and he was there like a year, year and a half. And they realized, well, I got to get the fuck out of here. I mean, they, they, they don't pay or they, they only paid moderately okay mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and so what happens is the talent is there's a, always a dearth of talent on on the street and so a guy like that you know we crosses our path and we snap him up and it's a fucking home run mm-hmm. and so you get the chuckleheads left running this stuff um maybe the investment bank fund managers are a little better and they probably are a little better but I don't think by the time you get hit with the fees and stuff, it, it really pays. How much of a young man's game do you think it is? It it really, uh, young persons, please. You know, I'm sorry, I apologize. To yeah, no, that's my fault. Yeah, okay. I forgive you. Um, well, everybody's a little different, right? But uh, you have to have a tremendous amount of desire 
to want to do this. I don't believe it can be driven solely because you want to make a lot of money. Um, what I found for me is I had distinctly different roles throughout my career that, you know, it doesn't, you know, when I was 35, it was pretty clear to me the best use of my time was not sitting writing tickets all day. Even if I was the best ticket writer in the world, it just, it wasn't, it was better off to have somebody younger than me, who, by the way, in my case, turned out to be better than me. But uh, anyway, while he was busy writing the tickets, I could look at other things and lever myself, right? So that would be the next iteration. And, and you know, I continued to mature throughout different. But, you know, I, I think I was pretty cognizant of my station in life and my age and career arc. Um, you just have to know where you are in the food chain. Yeah. But, I mean, to me, you know, once you get into your 50s, if you haven't made a success of yourself by then, uh, you know, I don't know. I just don't, I just think the ship's kind of sailed. Um, I don't know. I, I'd like to write to review that comment, but uh, one thing I will say with 100% certainty, anybody that leaves the business, let's say they get pissed off and quit or they get fired or whatever, if they're gone for more than a year, they're done. Over. So you funny be, you say you that. You can't be out of it for more than a year and, yeah. and retain your, uh, you know, that, Interesting. That, yeah. that feel for the marketplace. Interesting. Okay. What do you see happening? This, what's going on? What is your, what's your gut feeling? I, have, I mean, my <laughs> gut feeling? Yeah, let's go. My gut feeling is I love the fact that 19 people sent me that fucking meme <laughs> of the father and son and the son saying, <laughs> I predicted 7% inflation in 2021. The father says, how much money did you make? And the kid says, I bought gold. <laughs> Oh, he's weeping on a park bench. <laughs> it's awesome. Uh, it's awesome. Uh, uh, I, I fuck. I don't know. I'm, the market's very volatile. We're heading into uh, the end of the year. Um, so what happens is you, a few things happen as you head to the end of the year. One is uh, the financial institutions like to have their balance sheets look. Uh, you know, make themselves look as pristine as possible. So that reduces the amount of positions that people can carry. And then you have the people that have had a good year that don't really want to screw it up. Yeah, the people who have a bad year who just don't give a fuck. Yeah. Why this is a little unusual is, you know, you have a Fed meeting coming up this week, which I think might have some, some impact. Uh, I don't think that this uh, next phase of the uh, virus stuff is going to affect the Fed at all. I think, you know, that phrase Kevin heard me say and coined it, which is like the green light for tough love. You know, they've they kind of told you. So I would expect, uh, you know, them to reduce the amount of bonds that they're buying. Uh, just like everything else, I don't know whether that whether that means A, B, or C, but, you know, you 
you probably have seen in the headlines that the yield curve has flattened a great deal. That's a big deal. I Whether it's uh, because of the physics of, of bonds and money or whether it's financial alchemy or just, you know, your horoscope, that, that yield curve flattening thing is something to be respected. Um, so uh, for week 47 in a row, I urge caution. <laughs> Up and down. Yeah, no, no, it's I'm fine. Not, You're, no, no, I totally agree. Um, yeah, I mean, there's just it's just been brutal, man. It, it's up, down, up, down, one way, up, you know, back and forth. But I love to see certain things, like certain things that I have a piece of, are just steady as they go. Um, and Apple, Apple, like, it's just fascinating to me that it's just been crushing it lately. Um, Boring. Nobody was interested. You know, it's but then all of a sudden, here, there's your hot stock. There goes Apple. What have they done? They've done nothing. Oh, well, I, I, I think I said last week to you, and I repeat this again. People are viewing it as a treasury bill. Is that the way to go? Not for me to decide. Not for me. That's not mm-hmm. how I would go about it. Mm-hmm. But um, it came up at dinner uh, a couple of times, a couple of different dinners. Remember, we were very early to opine that perhaps as an ESG investment, Apple should start building their products here. Mm-hmm. And I'd like, I'm not a shareholder. Maybe I should buy one share of stock and go to the meeting. I'd like to know why they don't do that. Samsung's going to build their chips here in Texas, huh? or maybe it was Arizona. But if Samsung can do it, Apple can do it. So maybe you're, maybe you're, on the right track. Think, think about how great that would be. Yeah. Yeah. If Samsung, if Samsung can do it, you know, um, what, how did it come up in dinner? What was the, what was the, can you, can you expand on the, uh, the topic of comment about Apple? Well, you know, dinners are rich people. We talk about exactly. Know. That's what I want to know. <laughs> like you, oh, I bought another, you know, come on, let's go. Oh, yeah. I got Apple at 42 and you know, no, 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 there's nothing. Although I did see there's a, there's a, did you see this? There's a fucking club that you have to be, you have to have a hundred million dollars to join and you pay 180 Please. grand to join. It's like a bunch of losers. Get a sticker that says schmuck. Yeah, exactly. You clowns. <laughs> Those guys are out there though. Those guys are out there. There's a thing called uh, tiger 21. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, I was having a drink with a, a guy I know and he was saying, uh, oh, you know, I, you should go to this thing. It's pretty interesting. And uh, I'm like, well, explain to me how it works. And he said, okay, you, you go into a room and um, everyone sort of signs a confidentiality, non-disclosure agreement. And you put up your investments and your net worth. And you have to defend it to a, a group of other members. And uh, then you know, you sit down and somebody else does the same thing and and you try and poke holes in it. And then they get people to come in and give lectures on, on stuff. And I looked at, I looked at the, uh, the list of people they had come in and I'm like, once again, MB arrogant. I'm like, you're paying fucking money to listen. (laughs) Come on. (laughs) You want to pay me? 
Dude. Yeah, 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 yeah. Dude. Understood. Hey, who's Mr. Big with the pot? <laughs> right, exactly. Bunch of Anthony Scaramucci's in the room. <laughs> the mooch. Um. Anyway, can oh, you- no, let me please go ahead. No, since I took a shot at him, um, and we we've taken a couple of shots at him in the past, I will give him a complete full credit job for absolutely dragging that senator who took his Christmas photo with six kids with guns, like giant assault rifles, M16s, AK-47s. They all had guns for their Christmas photo. Scaramucci goes on Twitter and says, hey, whoever the politician running against you is, I'll give you the money. So, you know, r- I'll write the biggest check to your opponent because you're a scumbag. Um, this wow. was like day- days after the school shooting. Mm-hmm. So, I, so for, for, all the be- or for all the shit I talk about, you know, for Scaramucci, I will give him full credit for doing that. That's the, you know, that, nobody hears about that stuff, but that, that to me was really impressive. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So we'll balance out our absolute dragging of the anyone we can get our hands on with with credit when it's due <laughs> well if this is merely a uh, a play on my part to boost our listening <laughs> right because yep. when you say something nice nobody cares right when you say something mean everyone's all fired up so let's say something nice you sent me this thing i did from he's, uh, he's good man rich handler right he's good he is yeah 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 so he yeah you know He's on Instagram, which is, you know, for the younger, you know, again, I'm sorry for the, you know, for the stereotypical or generalization, but Instagram trends towards a younger audience. And he posts something. It might have been Thursday night. I saw it on Friday morning, but it was just a nice spiel about how the things that he learned during the pandemic. If, I wish I had it in front of me. Um, and just the nice things that he said about we need our juniors to inspire our seniors and our seniors to inspire our juniors. Um and I just, I sent it to you and I was like, you know, he just gets it. I'll read it to you. People's capacity and ability to, or this is what, I forget there was a title, eh, whatever, it doesn't matter. People's capacity and ability to pivot, adapt, improvise, and power through is remarkable and must never be underestimated or taken for granted. That said, there is also a true fragility and breaking point within the human condition that is not a sign of weakness, but rather a sign of honesty that must be acknowledged, embraced, and helped. Mental health in many ways is more fragile than physical health, and it takes each of us to bring everyone else through tough periods together. Just because an individual is the strong rock today doesn't mean that the same person can't be the one in most need tomorrow. Number three, it is truly not seniors versus juniors. Without either group, the other is lost. When mutual respect and empathy rule both camps, everyone is a winner. When either group cares about themselves, when either group only cares about themselves, all is lost. I mean, he just went on and on and on. During a crisis, it's always the little things that matter most. I don't want, I'll let you look it up because he posted it. But he posted it in a 10-part like slideshow. And he went on and on. You need to take care of yourself first during a pandemic, and it is not selfish to do so. At the end of the day, it's about health, family, friendship, giving back, and purpose. I always believed I knew this, but it is only in a crisis that I am 100% positive. And it was a 10-part slideshow. All right, so I wake up. I read it on Friday morning. I'm like, you know, Rich, Rich is good. He, you know, it's there's a lot of junk on Instagram, you know, sports cars, you know, bikes, cats, whatever. Rich posts that that nice slideshow. And then by like Saturday afternoon, he posts it as one paragraph because he said by popular demand, like people must have said, hey, Rich, you know, it would have been great if you had posted as one, you know, because 
you had sent something to me two weeks ago. You were like, could you send me the the post Rich put up? Because I yeah. can't see it, you know, because yeah. it was in the story, you know. Um, but the, it was just nice that he was writing that stuff on Friday morning about the seniors and the juniors and like what he had learned during the pandemic. Um, and it's just such a it's just such a nice in touch, optimistic view from ahead of one of the most biggest prestigious in his opinion in the best situation banks on wall street um to me it's just awesome um so if you stuck around to 57 minutes you can hear us say something nice um about some people but do you think we said anything that was untrue no i don't think so at all not at all we're just reading we're just reading statistics all we're doing is reading publicly available statistics and perhaps giving a little bit of an opinion on those decisions um I know we're almost out of time. No, we're not. We got all the time in the world, my friend. (laughs) Um, I think this is going to make you a little sad. So you know how I've been telling you, stick a fork in her, Elizabeth Holmes? You've cracked? Well. Thank you. See, here's here's my concern. Yes. Yes. So she was able to con many, many people, okay? And there's some of these people that have this ability to create this distortion of reality effect. And I, I'm i afraid, I don't know, but I'm afraid of eight days Thank you. in the witness stand having been sexually assaulted, having been intimidated, mm-hmm. brainwashed, by that bad, bad man, allegedly. You know, maybe the juries will just start to understand how bad life has treated this poor woman who only wanted to help people because she was afraid of needles and wanted to invent, a, you know, a method to run these blood tests. Even though many went out and were inaccurate and people made life and death decisions based on false information, that, I mean, that aside. Mm -hmm, That aside. uh, I'm I'm telling you she's getting off. It's a money crime. I think that she walks on it. And I saw that, like, there was was something about uh, the closing arguments. Like, they made closing arguments, like, the defense rested, and then there was some big, weird gap in time that was like you know trial experts and, and legal legal analysts were like this is weird this shouldn't happen this is not good <laughs> i said i oh, really? told you so <laughs> uh, yeah i don't um, know man i've had a i, I don't have the utmost faith in our judicial system um when it co- when it comes well, to the, crimes the, of the, this uh, nature that guy uh forgive the poor mm-hmm. pronunciation juicy smollett oh yeah jesse smollett yeah yeah yeah, yeah. They got him guilty. Yeah, that was a no. That was a slam dunk, though. Um, I think that was. I think that was on video, and yeah, I think. Okay. You know, but yeah, I don't know, man. I'm not going to be stunned if it comes back not guilty. I've been worried about that since the beginning. How about the that poor Maxwell woman? I don't even want to talk about it. Because you could spend an hour peeling that onion apart. It's so bizarre from her father to him. I mean, dude, the the the, the list of passengers on on the the Lolita Express, William okay. Jefferson Clinton. Oh, please! Uh, I mean, and here's a guy that I I believe 
I know he's definitely been in photographs with him, but uh, I don't know if he was on the plane, but Larry Summers. Oh, yeah. I've, it's a famous picture. It's been going, making the rounds. Yeah. 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 He didn't know. Nobody, nobody had, dude, tax. You, you're very familiar with the importance of tax and estate planning. Yes. I mean, he was yes. very good at this. Okay. I, it's amazing. <laughs> you know, I'm kind of wondering what you get for $150 million worth of estate and tax planning. I, I'm dying to know. <laughs> I'm dying to know because I you're an thought, accountant, correct? You're an accountant. Legally, I don't think I can say that, especially okay. because. So, for instance, I have taken, and I have passed the CPA exam for Illinois. Okay, and I, you can look it up on the internet, and I have like my license number, but. I never received a license to practice because I never did two years of public accounting Understood. and I haven't maintained through continuing education, which by the way, Mrs. Sachs to this day is an accountant, a CPA mm -hmm. uh, in good standing. So I guess the answer to your question is no, I'm, I'm not an accountant. I am familiar with, you know, Debits and credits and stuff. Okay. That's, yeah. All right, pal. Uh, Bob Dole died this week and he had, uh, oh, yeah. a, he, there was a, man. no, yeah. it's not. He lived to 175. I mean, it was a great life. He was a wonderful okay. gentleman. His wife was alive. Uh, he lied in state in the Capitol. He's got nothing to complain about. Um, and he said, <laughs> <laughs> I thought I was tough. And he said something about he wanted to see if he would be able to go home and vote in Chicago or something like that. <laughs> Oh man! Yeah, so there, you took a shot at Richard Daly, Chicago, on the way out, which oh, I thought boy. was lovely. Yeah. So, all right, pal. What else? You got anything else? Go ahead. I'm thinking of uh, when Tom was here. He said I needed a rubber mallet for my bike stuff, so I was gonna. <laughs> oh, I went to Am Amazon. Park stop. Tools had them for like thirty bucks, stop. and then somewhere else they were like nineteen ninety five. Do so. not stop! 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 What? Take the bike to the shop. What are you hitting with a mallet? You're not taking the bottom bracket apart. Don't even. Nothing on your bike requires a mallet. I completely agree. However, somebody needed a, a, a rubber mallet, and and I didn't have it. You know? Okay. So I don't know. Jesus. Okay. You know, it's it's like my son-in-law said. He said he's he's not going to worry about me till I start telling him my week includes planning to get my hair cut. I was going to ask you if you got your hair cut this week. No, I just washed it. Okay. You got to let it grow because it looks like it's a little iffy. A little, a little short? Yeah, it looks short. Yeah, I like it better with the nice big fuzzy, you know, Thanks. Chicago Jewish Thanks. curls that you used to Thanks. lovely. Great to see you, pal. All right, buddy. Next week? Yeah, absolutely. Great. I'll see okay. you soon. Take care. <laughs> Cheers. Bye now.